Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. Hey, Light Church. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, this is going to be a special Sunday because uh, I get to have a conversation with a dear friend who's also a pastor. And so he's actually in town um, from Davis up north. And I have had uh, the privilege of not only becoming friends with Wesley, um, but also just benefiting from his ministry. Um, a lot of you, if you've been attending Light for a while, may be familiar uh, with his ministry. He has a, a series of talks and podcasts called Better Days that deal uh, with mental health and suffering from a biblical perspective. And he has been such a gift to the Capital C Church and the Light Church. And so him being down, I, I just kind of commandeered him and say, hey, would you, I'm like, could we have a, a moment to share with our church and have an honest conversation uh, around the idea of where is God, where is Christ in crisis? Um, and just having an honest conversation uh, that will not just, just paint the reality of what's going on, but the hope that we can all walk away with. So if you're watching this, uh, my hope is that you'd be able to watch it in its full. And by the end, uh, Wesley and I's prayer is that you would leave with a greater sense of hope and the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding. Um, so Wesley, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we dive into our, our conversation today, would you just give us a little bit of a life update? How are you yeah, and Kara sure. doing? First of all, Light, it is amazing to be here. I'm so glad to be here with you, Benji. I love you. I respect you. You, you know, were a pastor to me during a really, really hard moment in my life, 2018, 2019, when my wife and I left uh, the church that we planted in Oregon um, because of serious medical conditions that she has walked through. And uh, we have so much love and respect for you. And it's amazing just to be here to chat with you uh, about this moment that we're living through. So a couple life updates for me is uh, first, we moved away from San Diego and I'm still lamenting, mourning, grieving. I miss it here. I love light. I love the ocean. And uh, so we are in Davis. I'm one of the uh, lead pastors at Bayside, which is a multi-campus church all over Bay Area, Sacramento area. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome. You know, we live in Davis, which has 40,000 college students. I love young people. I love college students, the ability to influence their life and teach them how to follow Jesus in a complex world. Uh, brings brings me a lot of joy and uh, have a lot of passion to do that. And um, we also this year launched Better Days as a nonprofit. Uh, we realized over time, the reason we started was because of our own story. Mm -hmm. And we noticed there was a gap, um, a gap maybe of understanding, a gap of a healthy theology and response to mental health and suffering in the church. And we decided to fill the gap with a podcast and the podcast ended up being something that people really appreciated and needed to help them to navigate through their story and their life challenges and situations. And so we realized because of the demand for that and different talks 
that I've done on mental health and suffering in churches and Christian colleges, universities, um, that this was something more that God wanted for us to do long-term. And so we launched as a nonprofit. Better Days is officially a nonprofit right now. And uh, we just really want, for me, part of my life work is to speak into this, Mm. you know, to use the experiences that I've gone through with mental health and suffering. My wife has gone through and to bring hope and help um, and education into Christianity and bridge some of the gap, I think, that uh, we lose in a secular culture uh, and a Christian culture that um, maybe doesn't enter into pain in a healthy way, but we try to fix it um, or suppress it um, or run from it. And I think there's a healthier approach within culture and within the church around mental health and suffering. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've really appreciated um, from following Better Days podcast is um, I've spent a lot of time studying about psychology and counseling, which my life has been built around being in people's moments mm-hmm. of crisis. Um, but one thing I appreciate about the podcast, the nonprofit, is um, I always leave feeling better Hmm. and um and i think it's rare i think a lot of times uh in my own study whether it's books i'm reading and things like that um i feel a need to address it but when i when i walk away after finishing a run and listening to a podcast or something like that um my spirit feels lifted um which is one of the reasons i've just so appreciated that you and kara and again if, if you're unfamiliar with their story please go and check out their podcast website um you guys have experienced suffering at an extraordinary level, mm-hmm. trauma, crisis, um, and, and not just in moments, but in a longevity type way. Uh, and where you both have arrived is, is carries, and I love one of your taglines, is honest hope. Mm-hmm. It's not like the superficial hope. They're like, it's, you know, it's, it's not real. Like, you know, just look for it. And it's not honest in such a way that's, um, pessimistic or without hope. It it's combines these two. Um, and so that's really even our hope today um, is to have one of those conversations. And so be, before we dive into our text for today, um, uh, I think all of us are aware just of all that this year has brought at a personal sense, maybe at a global sense, but can you just kind of help paint the picture kind of where, where we're at um, as a culture and... and um, just kind of, just so we're all on the same page, and then we're just going to dive in and look at the life of Jesus a little bit in the midst of our response to that. Yeah. Well, hey, man. First of all, I'm so encouraged that every time you listen to my podcast, that you feel better. You know, that's that's a part of it that we we engage with these real human life experiences, mm-hmm. but also we draw upon hope um, in all that we do. So, hey, that means a lot coming from you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think. I think honestly, we're living through collectively the most challenging time that we will live through for the rest of our life, collectively. Mm. You know, I think when uh, COVID came uh, to the United States and began to spread, our entire way of life was disrupted. And by definition, a crisis is a disruption. It's Mm. a shift. It's, you know, something that's either anticipated, you know it's coming, or it's sudden. And this was sudden. None of us expected this. I mean, think about it. We went from yep. going to work every day, 
work from home is the new normal. Yeah. You know, parents overnight, they went from taking their kids to school. Now their home is the school mm -hmm. and they're the principals and teachers and Zoom is the classroom. I mean, that is a shift. I remember when the NBA started closing down games and schedules. Uh, yeah. And then after that, all the sports leagues shut down. March Madness, I, I remember watching ESPN yeah. and they said March, it's no longer March Madness, it's March Sadness because of March Madness being shut down. And I so thought, true. how true is that? Wow. I mean, we are living through a disruption of life like we've never seen before, wow. which leads to stress, to loss, grieving, uh, anxiety, depression. Um, and I think that, you know, what's interesting, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and you and I talked about it a little bit before this, but we're not just going through one crisis. We're living through multiple crises wow. and they're, they're layered. Um, I mean, we're, we're living through a health crisis globally. We're living through a social crisis, a racial crisis, you know, financial yeah. crisis in so many people's lives, losing businesses, um, struggling to make ends meet. Uh, so I think what we're going through is so challenging and seismic. Um, that it deserves a deeper discussion as a follower of Jesus. Like, how do we enter into this? And how do we walk through it in a way that is healthy, even though it's painful? Mm. Um, I think with, with that recognition, which, by the way, I think, it's, I think that in and of itself is healthy. I know even Jen and I in our own marriage, sometimes maybe we'll have like an off day or we'll get into it a little bit. And we have to remember, oh, this is, there's an extra measure of grace we need to give each other mm -hmm. simply because of what we're living through. Yes. And that we are carrying uh, with us uh, a, a level of stress and loss and uncertainty that is unfamiliar to anyone, mm -hmm. including us. Um, one of the things I have been more confident in than ever uh, for me, has been uh, my faith. Um, obviously, as a pastor, my faith is central to much of what I do, if not all of what I do. But I've just realized that if I don't constantly remember that I belong to an unshakable kingdom, who I belong to a king who's over his world, uh, it's easy for me to start being swayed by what's going around. So I, I thought it would be good today uh, just to look at the life of Jesus and something you, you pointed out um, in a previous conversation was Jesus is our model for how to walk through crisis. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our model to how to walk through emotion and um, mental stress in a healthy way. And I think it's important to remember, and especially for those of us who may be new to faith, I know a lot of us that, um, who come to light are exploring Jesus and faith for the first time, it's important to remember that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. Hmm. And so when we look at Jesus, we can't, um, we have to remember that even in his divinity, we get to look at his life as a model for us uh, in his own humanity. And so uh, we're just gonna read a text today out of Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46, easy to remember. Um, of maybe the greatest crisis that not only Jesus ever went through, but any human has ever gone through 
um, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is looking at his impending crucifixion that is about to happen moments later. Um, and Matthew records under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what he's going through. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the text. Uh, but then after I read it, if you can just um, just share some of the things that you've gleaned um, of what we can see from the life of Jesus. So I'm going to read out of the NIV, starting in verse 36. Um, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I think those are key phrases. Right here's Jesus, sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I'm just curious if anyone's ever underlined that verse in their Bible. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were so heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Hmm. Talk to me about what, from your own pastoral heart, what are some things that we could be drawing from in this scenario? Yeah, I, I love this story. I've been drawn to this story for so many years, and I think that you see such an honest human framework to process you know, a crisis or a, a major pinnacle point of suffering in, in our life as humans. Um, uh, you know, we, I shared earlier, this year I've been really processing like how faith and mental health intersect, and specifically the life of Jesus. And what's interesting about Jesus is that he's here in the greatest moment of crisis. He's about to go to the cross, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, going to a cross, you know, unjustly punished and murdered upon the cross and separated from his Father for the first time in all of eternity because he became sin for you and I. And I love, one thing that I think of like initially, about this passage is Jesus did not minimize the moment. Like wow. he, he didn't minimize. In fact, it was what you highlighted when you said in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow. I just think there's so much humanness in there, right? Like there's so many experiences, maybe like at points in our life where we've said, my soul is overwhelmed and maybe to the point of death, you know? Mm -hmm. And if Jesus can cry out with honesty about that, I feel like we can cry out with honesty about that as well when we're overwhelmed with life. I think what we're living through is so overwhelming at times. 
you know, I've heard a few people say, I'm good, this has been amazing, the yeah. best time ever. But the majority of people are saying the opposite. Right. The hardest experience I've ever lived through. Right. And the stats would back that up. Um, pa- just think of pastors. Recent research came out about pastors. 17% of pastors in America say their mental health is good right now. Wow. Which means the majority are struggling. Wow. 31% of pastors say they're dealing with a, a deep emotional burnout. Um, they're just so overwhelmed like Jesus, like yeah. they're just burned out. They don't know what to do. I just read a couple of days ago that 50% of pastors in America are thinking about quitting. Wow. Not Benji, not me. Not, not We're us. good. We're good. But that just shows you. And then take it to a deeper wow. level. Yeah. Um, recent research by the CDC came out that one in four young adults in America have contemplated suicide in the last month wow. because of coronavirus. One in four. Millennial and Gen Z depression and anxiety is just skyrocketing. And I think we're just living in that moment where we're like, how do we walk through this? Like, how do we deal with this? This is so hard. And then how do we think about it as a follower of Jesus? I think we, we do what Jesus did. We don't minimize the pain. Wow. Um, I think it was Jim Collins in one of his books. He said, always keep hope but sometimes you have to face the brutal facts. And I think there's brutal facts of what we're living through and with a crisis and with pain that it's healthy to enter into that. It's healthy to say, this is hard. Like hard things are hard. Painful things are painful. A global pandemic with no roadmap of how to navigate it, it's hard. Mm. Um, And so I think, I love that about Jesus. Um, Jesus was so honest about the difficulty of this moment, he didn't just verbally say it, but because he was God in the flesh, God in a bod, some people have said. God in a bod. <laughs> um, because he was God in the flesh, his body cried out. Wow. Luke chapter 22 gives us further like picture about this moment. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I've been to Gethsemane, have you? Mm-hmm. Um, such yeah, an amazing place, yeah. overlooking, you know, you could see the temple right yeah. there in Jerusalem, the epicenter of worship. Jesus was there looking over the temple, noticing his disciples falling asleep. And he was so sorrowful. He was dealing with so much anticipation of pain that literally his capillaries burst and his sweat glands uh, he sweated drops of blood. Sweated. I don't think that's a word, but you know we can just make it gotcha. up right now. Gotcha. Um, he began to sweat drops of blood, and and if you study that medically, it's a rare medical phenomenon called hematidrosis, where somebody is in such deep mental and emotional anguish, fear, anxiety, stress, that literally their capillaries burst oh, and wow. and blood comes out. And I think that wow, like hard things are hard. Pain is challenging. A moment like this isn't easy for so many of us. And it's okay to be brutally honest about that as a follower of Jesus. And I think that one of the things that I'm so passionate about, Benji, is not painting a false hyper-spiritual picture around human suffering. Mm. Because I feel like sometimes our version of hope isn't really biblical hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a conceived hope um, that is hope without lament, hope without pain. Interesting. And I just don't think that you see that in the Bible. 
I think if you study through Scripture, you see in the Old Testament the people of God always emoting, you know, verbally, emotionally, um, and conversationally with God about moments of pain and suffering. Uh, that's why 40% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, yeah. uh, because lament and hope are not mutually ex- exclusive. Wow. They come together in a moment of pain, and we can be honest about our suffering and still have hope in God, and that as we walk through the moment, God is going to get us through as well. Wow. Where do we direct our lament? Yeah. Is, is that only horizontal? You know, vertical? Is that... You know, where so we we have this desire for honesty, which is probably harder for some of us. And I would even say, if you're watching this and you live in North County Coastal Region, we we probably have a harder time than most at being honest hmm. with pain. I think sometimes in areas um, we can be deceived in thinking of like, well, maybe I should. Maybe it's wrong for me to voice my own pain, mm-hmm. my own suffering, my own sense of loss. Um, well, people think of me. So I've I've noticed that sometimes it's hard for me to feel the space. So I, where do we direct our lament? Where do we direct yeah. our honesty? Such a good question. Uh, I think we do what Jesus did here. Uh, Jesus did. He didn't minimize the moment. Um, he faced it on, honestly. He wasn't in denial. He didn't suppress it. He, he did two things. He sought the help of God and he sought the help of his closest friends. It's huge. And I think that is a healthy approach to process mm. our suffering and our pain in the moment that we're living through. He, he went to God three times in, in Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says he prayed. He tried to circumvent the cross because he knew how difficult it was going to be, how painful it was going to be. Um, he tried to circumvent it. He said, Father, if it be your will, please take this cup up from me. Not as I will, but I will be done. And the cup there is a cup of suffering. Uh, it's a metaphor used throughout the Bible of you know moments of pain, moments of suffering, something that you're about to go through, anticipatory suffering. And he, he knew that he was about to go through that and he sought the help of God. And I think it's in Luke as well that said God sent angels to strengthen him. Uh, so I think we need to seek God's help. We need to talk to him openly and honestly, um, which that is a lament. Lament is open, honest conversations of God. Lament essentially is the language of pain and suffering. Mm. And uh, we don't have to hold back. God is not intimidated. God is not afraid of our honesty. God is not shook by our emotions God actually wants to meet us there. Mm. I, I just, I believe that God is so intimately connected to our moments and seasons of pain and suffering. And not only does he meet us there, he sustains us there. He enables us to persevere and walk through it. Um, and he gets us to the other side. And so I think that we have to pray. Jesus did that, he had to walk through it, right? Um, we want to we want to run from it, deny it, suppress it. All of those are unhealthy approaches right. to human suffering and pain. But Jesus walked through it, faced it, and then life came. There's always mm-hmm. life with God, even in the midst of pain. Um, and then Jesus sought the help of his friends. He he mm-hmm. knew how important community was, and you know he brought his three closest friends. 
they didn't live up to the bill, right? Like they, they failed him multiple times. They kept falling asleep, but that just shows their humanness. Like right. they were tired. And Jesus, they didn't understand the ramifications of the moment. And Jesus needed his friend's support. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the church is that when you do research around mental health, uh, this brilliant book came out from a journalist uh, in England, and uh, he basically for three years studied what, what, are, what are the root causes of anxiety and depression in the world? Like, how do we get to the source? How do we get to the root of it? And from three years of study, meeting with the top researchers, reading the top research in history around, you know, um, the causes uh, from social scientists, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, one of them was disconnection from deep, meaningful human relationships. Wow. And finding support and meaning in those relationships. Uh, and what's interesting to me is that the church can provide that. Like mm. we, we have this ability to support one another during suffering, like you did for me, mm. you know? I, I left a church that I started and it was an amazing story, right? Hard, painful, like challenging, all the things of a church plant, but like, it was a, it was a remarkable story. Like we started this church, you know, in two and a half years, we had an Easter gathering of 2,500 people. Like, wow, it was really tough <laughs> to do that. But, um, you know, I got to lead that pastor that invest in those people and then leave that. So there's a loss there. And then my wife, you know, going through all of her significant medical situations with, you know, multiple car accidents, spinal cord injury, brain injury, spine injury, mm. um, all the surgery she went through, all the repercussions long-term, you know, with her cognitive abilities and just all the pain that she's in constantly. You know, I got to be here and mm. you guys provided support and love and care. And I think I couldn't, I can't, in a healthy manner, walk through human pain and suffering without that. Like we need to open up to God and we need to open up to people. Um, one one per person said, every human dealing with trauma and pain needs a relational home to process their pain. Wow. And I believe that, you know, I've lived through it. Like we can't mm -hmm. do it on our own. Um, when, we, when we disconnect from human support system in our grief, in our lament, um, it usually leads to unhealthy um, mental processing, uh, wow. rumination, you know, uh, we're not meant to be in isolation and isolation can lead to unhealthy rumination uh, where we can lose hope, where we can go deeper into despair and depression. Uh, we, need, mm. we need people. Um, yeah. We are created for community and i think we lament to god but we also process our pain in community yeah i think you know if you're if you're watching this i would just love just i think what wesley just laid out for us i think maybe the two of the most practical things we could do as we look at jesus in the midst of crisis um, one is cultivate an honest relationship with god uh 
if you've never done this before, I, I would encourage you, a therapist I was going to years ago, as I was dealing with my own personal anxiety, encouraged me just to journal. So there's actually something neurologically that happens with your right and left side of the brain working together as you journal, you slow down your thoughts. But he said, write down pure honestly in a conversation with God what's going on. And I, I have to admit, it was one of the hardest things I ever did because I grew up approaching God with a value of respect and probably a sense of religiosity that I didn't know what to do with honesty. Um, I had to learn that. And some of you watching this maybe have to understand that's okay. That if you, I mean, gosh, if you, if you read some of those Psalms, David and the authors of the Psalms do not hold back. Jesus doesn't hold back in this chapter. So begin there in your relationship with God. Even in the book of Job, we see God show up at the end of the book after Job kind of throws up his hands and is just super honest with God. And God shows up. So develop space in your life, rhythm in your life to be honest with God. And secondly, those relationships, um, as Wesley, as you're talking about, like when we get cut off relationship, I just seem like that's this year, which is, it's not, you know, surprising that so many people are dealing with mental unhealth because of this disconnect relationship. So my encouragement to you, if you're watching this, um, is you we can practice whether it's healthy guidelines or things like um, what's being given to us whether it's from health officials or whatnot and still fight for meaningful connection so if that if you are alone right now and you're watching this and you don't know who your community is um, I would just do something as practical as, as reaching out to our church looking for an open table um, maybe you have a community, you just haven't been accessing them. And whether you guys meet together, social distancing outside, whether that's intentional FaceTime, whatever that looks like, who are the people in your life who who you can have your Garden of Gethsemane moment with? Say, man, my soul is overwhelmed. Um, and Jen and I, interestingly enough, we're, we're having uh, a counseling moment last night with a new couple. And they're sharing with us, uh, or we're sharing with them how as much as Jen and I have each other to confide in, I'm thankful that Jen has other people as well and that I have other people as well. And I think it's why God gives us the body. He gives us a family that there can be multiple people. Like Jesus didn't just take his best friend. He took three people up there with him. So I would just even, maybe for some of you, it's expanding your circle. It doesn't need to be massive, but who are those people that you can... Mm -hmm have an honest conversation with. And I would include, if you can, um, find people who, who have an honest hope. Find people who, have, um, who won't just sugarcoat what's going on. It's not a big deal. We'll go there with you, but ultimately know where to walk with you towards. That we have this gift in the, the Jesus in the garden is also the Jesus of resurrection. And he's not one or the other, he's both. Um, and so we need people in our lives who can carry that, that tension. Um, Wes, I would say, anything else in the story that you could add to this or would we should be paying attention to? Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought about in this story is that Jesus focused on what he could control, um, hmm. which is 
such an important step in a moment of crisis. Uh, I think crisis, we feel out of control. Everything feels out of control right now, like life, work, parenting, everything. <laughs> uh, the whole world feels out of control, right? Yeah. Don't watch the news too much. If you hibernate on the news, it's not going to be good for your health. Yeah. Um, but I think he focused on what he could control. So he took steps in that direction. He talked to God. He brought his friends near him. He didn't minimize the moment. He, um, he you know, got the answer that he was seeking in his prayer from God. And mm -hmm. he began to travel toward the cross. And he ultimately knew that, you know, we often want the resurrection without the cross, right? But he, yeah. had to, he had to go to the cross to get to the resurrection. So he knew that there was going to be life post this deep, painful, historical, climactic moment of suffering. So I think for us right now, just like on a practical level, it's so important to focus on what we can control. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in graduate school, I took a class, crisis counseling. And one of the things that we learned is that when you're in the midst of total disruption and you feel like life is out of control, focus on some things that you can control mm -hmm. and try to get back to some of the rhythms and the healthy habits that you had pre the crisis event. And I think that, you know, just on a practical level, for me, that means I remember early on in, you know, this 2020 going through all this, uh, I was stressed and anxious and just like kind of just taken back and overwhelmed by it. And I didn't know what to do. And I, I got out of like good, healthy, intentional rhythms and practices in my life. And I thought back to the class I took, just what I had said. And I said, I need to like enter into some of this. So like spiritually be in prayer, mm -hmm. um, be, you know, be in the Bible, like read your Bible, be in prayer. I know you guys, you know, do a journaling, uh, thing what's that called yeah lectio divino yeah, lectio divino um do that like that is so healthy for us you know have some silence and solitude because there's so much noise right now right and a lot of the noise is negativity and um you know when we're constantly bombarding our mind with that type of news our stress levels rise you know mm. we go into like these stress response situations if we get too much of that we're going to feel that in our bodies wow uh, and that's going to affect us in this moment so you know have some silence and solitude you know before god let god speak let god grant you peace and rest in this moment um i think another thing is just physically like god created our bodies mm. you know we're not we're not a soul we're we're a we're a body and a soul, like yeah. combined. We're integrated beings. And so I think it's really important for us to know that God created healthy rhythms, not just for us to pray and read our Bible, but things like, you know, Sabbath. Sabbath is not just a once a week thing, it's a daily thing, like sleep. Sleep yeah. is a daily Sabbath. It's like these wow. healthy rhythms that help with our mental health and our stress in a moment like this. That's something we can control, like, okay, I'm going to be really intentional with my sleep patterns. Like that's my daily Sabbath. I'm going to be really intentional with my weekly Sabbath mm. to recharge, refill, celebrate, um, find some rest from, from just being in the grind and all the things that are causing stress, maybe, you know, disconnect a little bit um, mm. so that your soul can recalibrate, you know, on a weekly basis. And then you know, if you can, I'm doing it right now. Take, take a little vacation, yeah. you know? So for me, I needed to see the, the beach. <laughs>
so true. Which is life changing. Yeah. You're, you're blessed, man. I miss it. Um, you know, and then movement. God didn't create us to be sedentary. Like we're in our houses every day. You know, we feel kind of trapped in, in these enclosed environments. Like get out, go on a walk, go on a run, go surfing, ride your bike, like do something physiologically when you move, it's really healthy um, for your brain, for your mental health, for your mood, uh, for, for the ability to have a coping mechanism with stress. And then the third one, I think God created three rhythms, you know, physically a part of our, you know, embodied spirituality, sleep. So that that's a Sabbath, uh, move and eat, eat healthy. Wow. Like that's something we can control. Like Say that again. Sleep, sleep, eat, move, move, eat, or any way you want to put it, yeah. you know, like I think it's a practical thing. So we, we need good, healthy, spiritual intentionality. Like these are things that we can control. Like there's so much in the world right now we can't control, but we need to like enter into some rhythms and practices that are going to help us process this stress, mm. anxiety, process maybe depression, um, walk through it in a healthy way rather than just throwing up our hands and saying, I, I, don't, I give up, you know, like don't give up. There's so much hope for you. And, and I would say that to anybody, you know, processing this moment that feels like you're in despair, you're, you're deeply depressed, you're absolutely uh, overwhelmed and paralyzed by anxiety, there's hope for you. Don't mm. give up. Like there is life and light ahead. Mm. And I know you may not be able to see it. Uh, I, I know that it, it may feel like a distant reality for you, but there's little things that you can do on a daily basis to help you to walk through this painful moment and to live as fully as you can in it. And so that would be my encouragement. Wow. To live as fully as we can in this moment by focusing on things that we can control that are healthy responses to a crisis. Man, so good. And if, and if you're watching this, um, if this is encouraging to you, you know, this isn't a commercial, but share it with someone. There's people who need this good news. And just to kind of recap, uh, if when you're sensing the weight of the season we're in right now, be honest with God. Draw in people around you and be honest with them. Bring them close. Uh, remember these, these things we can control that God has given to us of uh, sleeping well, of watching, uh, making sure that even what we eat has an effect on our not only our body but on our brain. Um, and that God has made us uh, for movement. I'll, I'll, I just imagine if as a community, we began to practice these things. Um, it would be so huge. And just the last thing I would do, and it's in closing, then Wesley, I'd love you to pray for us, is um, we just heard a story today um, of uh, someone reached out over Instagram to, to Jen, my wife, and said, hey, I've, I've tried to find you for the last few years, uh, but your husband was speaking at a camp, um, and you came up and we were in the restroom, we were washing our hands at the same time and you looked at me and you said, you're so beautiful. And you told me that you saw me from across the room earlier and you just reminded me, man, you are so beautiful. She's like, what you didn't know 
is um, I had attempted suicide twice that year, and I had brought pills up to that camp, and I was thinking about taking my life that night. And, and she said, everything changed in that moment. And she says that I needed, she's like, I have been trying to find you for years to tell you that God has healed me from my depression. I'm completely redeemed from that situation. And, um, and my wife and I are like rejoicing over this story. Uh, but I, I would just encourage you, I think sometimes what we can, what sometimes some of the healthiest things we can do, even in our own distress, is to allow God to use us to bring encouragement to others. And to remember that not only can God meet you, he can use you. Um, to, and it doesn't have to be contrived. It can just be led by the Spirit. That you would, in a moment, just say, you know what, I, not only can God bring me life, God can use me to bring life to those um, around me. And so, in my hope, I'm leaving this conversation encouraged and full of hope that we serve a God who not only sits over this, but can sit in it with us and has before and at the end of it he is um he's so present the author of life so wesley thank you so much yeah being here this has been so rich thanks you, for having would me would you pray um for anyone who's watching this pray for our community yeah i'd love to awesome. let's pray jesus thank you for light church thank you for benji and jen and all the leaders here uh, this is such a special place for me, and uh, I just pray that you would bless them. Uh, I pray that you would bless this church. I pray for every person who is stressed, hurting, depressed, mm -hmm. anxious, overwhelmed, and maybe even despairing at the layered effects of this crisis upon their life. I pray that you would speak life and hope and healing into their situation. I pray that you would grant them the ability through your presence, your compassionate kindness and care for whatever they're facing, that you would grant them the ability to move forward, uh, even if it means slow, small steps each day, and to begin to find hope in their relationship with you hope in the community of support and love and care that they have, and hope through the small rhythms and practices that we begin to implement into our lives that, that help us, their pathways toward healing. Um, and so I pray for each person. And, and most of all, I just know personally, God, I've needed this, to be reminded what the psalmist said, that truly our, our rest is found in you. And I just pray that right now, there would be so many people listening that just come to you with a weary heart and say, God, grant me rest in my soul, in my relationship with you. I pray that there'd be a sense of peace that surpasses all understanding, rest and deep hopeful encouragement from you mm. in people's lives today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you suffered so that we could have life and mm. that you enter into our suffering and bring us to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this, and if, if you're needing um, 
help, immediate help or even professional help, please send us an email. Uh, we not only have access and resources to amazing Christian therapists, uh, we can help out with the financial um, element of that as well. So if that's a need that you have, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, we love you guys. Grace and peace. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. 